TII item 379, January 19th, 2016, iOS 9.3, Beta 1. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by Harry's.com, where you can use promo code TII to save $5 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Bowl and Branch. Visit bowlandbranch.com and use promo code TII to save 20% off your order and to get free shipping. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Russell for sending in the music here in the background. Russell wrote, Hi, Rob. I'm sending you another song I made with GarageBand for iOS. Played everything you hear with my two index fingers using the instruments provided in the app. Nothing was pre-recorded. Thanks again for listening. Hope you and your audience enjoy the song. Regards, Russell Campisi from Nevada. Well, thanks, Russell, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Anthony for sending in the artwork for today's show. Anthony wrote the following. Hey, Rob. Removed from a video shoot on Christmas Eve while slaying, watching with the kids. Still removed with the snap still and cropped and the text was added with Laminar Pro, shot on an iPhone 5, edited on an iPad Air 2. Regards, Anthony. Well, thanks, Anthony, for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Anthony's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 379 or at Instagram.com slash Today in iOS. And also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash Today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. And I'm in need of both. So uh, please send them in. In this segment of How Wrong Were They? We have the following quote. Quote, the big competitors in the mobile phone industry, such as Nokia and Motorola, won't be whispering nervously into their clamshells over a new threat to their business. The iPhone is nothing more than a luxury bobble that will appeal to a few gadget freaks. In terms of its impact on the industry, the iPhone is less relevant. Apple is unlikely to make much of an impact on this market. Apple will sell a few to its fans, but the iPhone won't make a long-term mark on the industry." Unquote. Matthew Lynn, Bloomberg, 15th of January 2007. So, how are Nokia and Motorola doing now in this space? Hmm. Well. To tell you, you would have to go and look at the billions and billions of dollars that Microsoft and Google had to write off for purchasing both. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 378, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Trail Jeeper magazine. Three words. Those promo codes were given away already. Sadly, no new promo codes this week. Bad marketer are you if you have a paid app or iBook and did not send in those codes. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, make sure to let me know when they expire. And if you are friends or relatives or just in communication with an app dev for an app that's for sale, 
hey, let them know about this segment of the show. And if English isn't their native language, let them know they can send me in a written review and I can read that as well. Apple last week released iOS 9.3 Beta 1 to devs and then to the public. I might have this installed on my iPhone 6 Plus, and I might have been using it for almost a week now, and I might be getting really good results with it. You know, if I was allowed to talk about it, that is. Interestingly, Apple freed up any of those loose lips restrictions by putting up a post on Apple.com that previews iOS 9.3, as this will be the biggest single dot update so far for iOS 9. From the Apple site, quote, This latest iOS release adds numerous innovations to the world's most advanced mobile operating system. There are improvements to a wide range of apps, along with great new additions to CarPlay. iOS 9.3 may even help you get a good night's sleep. And you'll find a preview of new features that will make using iPad in school easier and better for students and admins, unquote. The first item they talk about on the site is Night Shift. It reduces the amount of blue light on your display, and it is this blue light right before you go to sleep that's supposed to ruin your night's sleep or make it hard to even get to sleep. This is off by default to turn it on, the night shift, um, go to settings app, then display and brightness, then turn on blue light reduction. There's a slider to make it cooler, which means more blue light, or warmer, which means less blue light. And there is a schedule for when you want this feature to kick in. By default, that schedule is set to run from 10 p.m. And that's when it turns on. And then it goes off at 7 a.m. You can also set it from sunrise to sunset. And you can change their times around wherever you, however you best meet your needs. Next up with iOS 9.3 is, quote, keep your private information under lock and fingerprint, unquote. This is where you can now password protect your notes. You can now also sort notes automatically by either date edited, date created, or title. To set that, you need to go to the settings app and then notes. And actually, you need to go there as well to turn that on for the password protection. And in there, you'll see those settings for how you want it sorted. And then also if you want to set on password protection for it. iOS 9.3 also has updates to the news app. Quote, The articles in For You are now better tailored to your particular interests. We search your emails and Snapchats and your you porn searches to figure out your fetishes and tailor the news app to meet your needs, unquote. Or maybe I paraphrased a bit there. Can't remember. But the point is, they are making the results you see in For You more for you. There are also improvements in the health app with categories such as weight, workouts, and sleep, having a new slider menu showing apps you can easily add to your health dashboard. Sadly, the Fitbit still is not one that works with it. And it now shows more of your health and data from your Apple Watch. CarPlay gets some new features with Nearby You in the Maps app showing you gas, parking, restaurants, and more that are close by you with just a tap. And the biggest update for 9.3, at least how it seems from Apple's perspective, is with regards to education use. With an iPad, there is now shared iPad for students, where students can log into any iPad in any classroom and make it their own. So if you don't have a one-to-one iPad ratio in your school, uh, maybe it's a one-to-five, students can go whenever it's their turn to get on the iPad and get in and have their apps and data available. So a nice way... and, and 
not even have to get the same iPad every time. So it's just a nice way for students to better personalize on the iPad, especially in, in when you're in a situation where it's not one-to-one, which is probably in most situations, it's not one-to-one. There's a new classroom app. Quote, teachers can guide students through a lesson, see their progress, and keep them on track, unquote. And Apple School Manager, which is a single portal where admins can do everything from creating Apple IDs to purchasing apps to preparing devices for MDM. And the new Apple IDs are a special kind for education and created and assigned by the school. So if you are an admin at a school, some new tools are coming your way to make your life easier. One of the new features in iOS 9.3 I saw reported on had me saying about time. And that is where the headline said, you can disable stock apps. Um, Have stock app that you can't delete in the past and it was stuck in a folder and you know you're never going to use it. Um, It sounded like from the headlines, you could just now remove it with iOS 9.3. But sometimes truth is not what it seems. Um, Here is the procedure for getting rid of any stock apps. This assuming you have iOS 9.3 beta installed. First, then download Apple Configurator 2.2 beta. For this, you have to have an Apple developer membership. To set up the configuration, select do not allow some apps option. To remove the apps, you will require you to enter the command for each app, such as com.apple.stock for the stocks app and so on. In other words, there is no simple toggle any regular user can just flip to remove an app. So really, stock apps for 99.9% of the population will remain just to add stock apps, ones they can't remove. A couple of the other features in iOS 9.3 being reported, Apple Watch Sync will now work with multiple watches. This is clearly nice for app devs that might need both a 38 and a 42 millimeter version to test their app. It's also nice in the future where there's an Apple Watch 2 and you use the original Apple Watch. Sport for health tracking and working out, and your new Apple Watch is for dressing up. Or maybe now some of you already have two Apple Watches, a sport for working out and the stainless steel for dress occasions. Other new features found listed are Siri, now supporting Finnish, Malay, and Hebrew. No word yet if it supports Yiddish. Uh, another new feature is you can duplicate a live photo inside the Photos app and have the option to duplicate as a still photo to better share to others that uh, want to see it only as a still image or can only see it as a still image. Along with the betas for iOS 9.3, there was also the Apple TV OS 9.2 beta 1 released to devs, and it has two overdue features, or let's call them corrections of past omissions, and that is Bluetooth keyboards are now supported and the podcast app is back. Maybe now podcasts on set-top boxes can move from the current 0.03% of consumption up to 0.05% of consumption. That's three one hundredths of a percent to five one hundredths of a percent because that's how much podcasts are consumed on set-top boxes. There is also a new feature that is definitely needed by me, folders. When it is uh, released, you will be able to group apps into folders on your home screen like kids' apps or dad's games or mom's games. Okay, that last one's not going to have much in it, but it could if you wanted it to. Other additions, changes for Apple TV OS 9.2 Beta 1 include Siri support for U.S. Spanish in the U.S. only, French-Canadian support in Canada only, Siri support for U.K. English, Australian English, and U.S. English available across the U.K., Australia, and U.S. storefronts, 
when English is set as a system language. And there is an updated App Switcher UI. Good to see the hobby getting a little additional attention. Apple Music now has over 10 million subscribers just six months after launch, and it is most likely they are almost all paid subscribers at this point, or most are paid subscribers at this point. Financial Times reported those numbers and also said it took Spotify six years to get to that level. The 10 million subscribers are just 10% of the goal of Apple, according to those in the know who are saying they're trying to get to 100 million. Obviously, 10%, 10 million. Pretty easy. I didn't even use the calculator app on that. will be interesting to see if Apple confirms this number on their conference call next week. But they don't really confirm much numbers these days. But hopefully they'll talk about that a little bit. Switching to a little financial stuff here. Daniel Aaron Dilger at Apple Insider released one of his great in-depth posts. This one is titled, Apple Competition is Going to Have a Tough Year in 2016. The article starts with this. Quote, in 2015, Apple grabbed a 94% share of the world's global smartphone profits, sold the only profitable tablets and smartwatch, increased its Mac unit sales, launched a successful NFC payment platform, took a huge slice of the music streaming market, and introduced a new platform for the living room, unquote. And then he talks about how so many link bait articles talk about how well Apple did that there's only one way to go now, and that is down for Apple, and that they're going to have a rough or tough 2016. But not so, says Daniel. And rather than just say it, he also shows it in detail why he thinks that Apple's going to have a good 2016. And it's the competitors that are going to have a hard, rough 2016. He points out when Google is talked about having an 80% share of market for Android, you don't hear people talking about the percent of the market Google-branded handsets have, as that would be 0.1% according to IDC. Yes, 0.1% is what Google gets for their handsets in in the marketplace. But for some reason, people don't talk about that. He points out that Apple's only real competitor for handsets is Samsung, and last year they did not see flat growth, they did not see growth, they saw a collapsing and warned of a tough 2016 to come, while Apple is saying 2016 will be a growth year. Essentially, it is as if Apple no longer has any creditable competitors. Again, Daniel goes over this in great detail and smacks down a bunch of the analysts for preaching the doom and gloom lately for Apple. Here is one more quote I want to leave you with before um, you check out the article. Quote, Apple of 2016 is not really competing against Apple 2015. It's competing against Samsung 2016. And that competitor is looking awfully weak. Unquote. Well said, Daniel. There are three of us that have been consistently bullish on Apple. The other one is Philip Elmer DeWitt at Fortune. And he just released a post titled, Why So Much Apple Commentary Is So Clueless. He starts off saying it will get worse before it gets better, but I'm hoping that corner will be next week's quarterly conference call. If Apple tops last year's Q4 numbers for unit sales for iPhone, and then Tim Cook once again says 2016 overall will beat 2015, and that they're seeing a growth and that there's slowdown being predicted by an analyst is wrong, and not what they're seeing from Apple's perspective, that would go a long way to making that day the the articles start getting better sooner. Philip mentions a few of those schlock articles, some of which we actually slammed on the previous episode. He points out um, from the article on MarketWatch 
that they even slip in a reference to Apple CEO Tim Cook as a bozo, quote unquote. It comes down to this. Most people reporting on Wall Street seem to dislike Apple. They don't get Apple. They never have. They think Apple does what they, Apple's doing is the same as their competitors, and they just don't get the differences. They don't understand this whole ecosystem thing and brand loyalty and that people really like Apple products and how they're put together. But as we've seen in the past, at some point, the fundamentals override the negative misinformation. And I think we may be a week from, away from that next major inflection point happening and the beginning of the next bull run for Apple. We shall see. Again, just my opinion. And Journalism 101 says we should present an opposing view. And I should point out there are still some analysts, not many, but a few, predicting a bigger drop for Apple with a low of $65 as the target price by one, that being per Lindbergh, an analyst for ABG Sundial Collier out of Sweden. Again, only a few are saying sell at this point, really about three. And the majority have targets above the current price, with some having targets as high as $200. So according to those analysts, there's a still a chance to double your money in the, in the near term with Apple. The average forecast right now is $142 target price for Apple, which is now well over a 40% gain. Not bad. I bring this all up again because next week's conference call will tell us a lot about the future for Apple stock. I will do my next episode right after the conference call. I'll try to get the first part of it recorded uh, the day before, and then I'll throw in the end coverage and commentary right after the conference call. So it'll be up maybe even for your drive home, depending where you live on Tuesday night. One of the biggest pieces people will look for is iPhone sales. Last year for the fourth quarter, it was 74.5 million iPhones sold. This past quarter, I believe the number is going to be around 79.2 million units sold. We'll see how I do. And we'll go over what the other analysts out there guessed, or I'm not really an analyst, but what the analysts out there guessed on the next episode. Uh, If you want to send me your predictions, Email me or call me before the next episode and maybe I'll put in whoever, you know, I'll put in the wide range that we see from different listeners at TII. But if you have an idea of what you think iPhone sales will be from the last quarter that are going to be announced by Apple next week, let me know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. As I said on the last episode, a good New Year's resolution for TII listeners is to stop overpaying for a great shave. Yes, we're talking about my absolutely favorite razor of all time, Harry's. And if you go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use promo code TII, you'll save $5 on your first order. Harry's will give you the best shave at the best price without all that hassle of having someone unlock the display at the store. Price, performance, and convenience, check, check, check. That means no regrets about foolishly squandering your money on an overpriced blade that dulls quickly and takes up a bunch of your time to get them at the store. Harry's went out and they found a German blade factory that was almost 100 years old and purchased it. Harry's owns the most important part of the razor, the blade. And by cutting out the middleman on both sides, that means they can keep the prices low to you. You can almost say they slash the prices for you. Plus, Harry's as an organization helps those looking for jobs by donating 1% of their sales and 1% of their time to help prepare people for professional success. Yes, a shave that feels great from a company you can feel great about. Once again, go to harrys.com now. Save $5 off when you enter the code TII with your first purchase. 
That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the coupon code TII at checkout to save $5 off your first purchase and start shaving better in 2016. Hi, Rob. This is Luis from Doha. I'm calling concern one of your uh, last podcasts. One of the listeners was uh, questioning about deleting uh, alarms on the Apple Watch. You got a bunch of them. And uh, you can do the same as you do on the iPhone. It will work on both devices that if you use Siri, and uh, you say, Siri, delete all alarms. You're going to get a confirmation for that. And then when you confirm, you're going to get all your alarms uh, deleted at once. So I think it's an easier way to delete the alarms if you have a bunch of them. Instead of going one by one, just uh, come up with Siri and uh, say, delete all alarms. And uh, that's it. I think it's a quicker way to do it. Happy New Year. And uh Thank you for all you do, and hope your predictions are right for 2016. It should be an exciting year for Apple. Thank you. Luis, thanks for that feedback. And folks, if you have an iPhone 6 or 6S or 6S Plus, I should say, and Siri was listening, you might want to check to make sure your alarms didn't just get deleted. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. A heads up for you and the listeners when installing the iOS Twitter app in settings, video autoplay as a default is set to use mobile data and Wi-Fi. You can change it to never play videos automatically. Regards, Steve and Brisbane. Well, thank you, Steve, for that heads up. Back to the email bag. Hello, Rob. There was a woman who called into the show and mentioned that she and her husband were going on a cruise and needed a way to communicate with each other for free, i.e. not paying their cell provider a year's tuition at Yale. She mentioned that the ship had Wi-Fi and that they would be utilizing it, so she wanted to know what apps could be used for Wi-Fi messaging. You recommended two apps to her, for her, but my question is, why can they not use iMessage? As a test, I placed my phone and my boyfriend's phone into airplane mode to kill off the cellular data and the signal, and while still in airplane mode, I turned on Wi-Fi and connected both phones to our home network, iMessage, FaceTime and FaceTime audio all worked as normal. I did not test regular calling as I have T-Mobile and they offer Wi-Fi calling and I'm sure uh, I'm not sure who her carrier was. Unless I'm missing something I, or don't understand the question, then she shouldn't need any third-party apps as long as she both as she leaves both phones in airplane mode with Wi-Fi activated. Shouldn't you know, she shouldn't have any outrageous cell phone bills regards Marie from Pittsburgh. Hi, Marie. Um, it actually has to do with uh, wanting to chat to each other without going back over the internet. They were actually worried about the cruise ship's internet bills. This would be uh, an intranet use, not an internet use. So they want something to be an intranet use. The reason they don't want to use the internet to send a message or an iMessage is that when on a cruise ship, the cost of internet access is higher than a per ounce cost for ink for your printer. So these apps allow you to chat with others on the ship without the messages going up and down to the internet and causing bankruptcy when they get their data bills from the cruise line. And on this line of questioning, let's go to this email that was sent in. Hey, Rob, in response to show 378 for the couple looking for a mesh network relay chat and messaging, the most popular and best is fire chat. I tell everyone about it for the same reason. And of course, the more people that use it, the faster the, uh, the messages get delivered. When I'm traveling or out to sea, I need to stay in touch with other travel companions. Um, this is what I use. Regards, Devin. Back to the email bag. 
All right, regarding podcasts, pause for no apparent reason in the car. Check what you have running in the background. When I have the app Zello in the background and drive through a data dropout zone, this can happen. Other apps may do the same. Also, just because your phone indicates a good signal, it's not a data meter. I've found data dropouts even with good signals. Regards, Mike R. And staying on the subject, I Rob, a caller at the end of episode 378, mentioned his podcast app would occasionally stop while he was driving. Mine does the same thing, and it also is intermittent problem. So far, I have noticed notifications have come in at the same time the podcast stop, app stopped. I don't know if all notifications do this, but Appy Geek notifications seem to be a culprit on my phone. No doubt the iOS app still needs some work. If you use a third-party app for podcasts, which one would you consider the best, Rob? Regards, Mike from Chicago. Well, hi, Mike. The best third-party app went outside of individual app for each show, like the TII app for my show. But once you get to a third-party app for aggregating a lot of podcasts, then I would say the best third-party app for aggregating would be um, Overcast from Marco Ament. And that's not just from using it and liking it myself, but that's also looking at the data of how many people use it. And that is the most popular one now on the iOS side next to Apple's own app, uh, even more so than Stitcher now. So yes, that would be the one I would recommend. Overcast from Marco Ament if you don't want to use the podcast app. Hey, Rob, this is Alan from Bend, Oregon. You may remember me as that guy from about a year ago who applied for the Google Plus group and had the picture of myself with the Android behind me, and you were a little unsure if you wanted to let me into the Google Plus group or not. By the way, I'm very glad you did. I just find I learned so much. And, you know, the truth is I've always had an iPhone, but it's always been more of a secondary device. I'm one of those unusual people that uh, also has Android devices. And I got to admit, I probably used Android about 70% of the time, my iPhone about 30% of the time. But recently I finally picked up an uh, iPhone 6 Plus and uh Wow. Um, I've got to say, this is the first time that uh, I'm really, really enjoying. Finally have a large enough device to really appreciate iOS. My middle-aged eyes uh, finally are able to see everything on a large enough scale without any distortion. So it's been a real eye-opener and I'm loving it. And to be fair, I've got to say I've now kind of reversed things using the iPhone 6 about 75% of the time and Android only about 25% of the time. Figured you'd enjoy hearing that, and uh, thanks as always for all the great stuff, and uh, gosh, uh, I learned so much from you and from the listeners about iPhone and iOS. It, it's really terrific. Thanks again, Rob. Bye now. Alan, thanks for the feedback, and glad to see you're on the light side of the universe now, at least the majority of the time. And per me filtering out people in the Google Plus community, yes, absolutely is something I do. I really try hard to keep the spammers and the Android fanboys out as much as possible. Every now and then a spammer or two will slip through, uh, but I, I, I remove them once they start spamming. And it is tough. I, I would say every 10 people that apply to be in the community, seven, maybe eight of those 10 are spammers. Some days it's all of them. But I'd say on average, I'd say it's 70 to 80% of people applying to get in the community are spammers or Android fanboys. 
And I do try to keep them out to keep the community nice and safe and secure and a place where you can actually learn something. It's not just reposts that are posted everywhere else. Now that all said, I'm sure every now and then I reject someone that has applied to get into the community. And if you have applied to get into the community and you haven't been accepted, when you hear this, everyone that's applied, I have accepted. So if you haven't been accepted, email me today in iOS at gmail.com. Let me know your email address and I will get you in manually. So if you have been rejected or haven't been accepted, that means you've been rejected. Let me know. And now that we're in that part of the, the segment, I just want to say we are now well over 2,500 members in our Google Plus community, almost to 3,000, and we continue to grow. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came was from Robert Kelly, who posted the following, quote, Apple Music Radio Stations shutting down. I got an email a few minutes ago that said Apple Music Radio was shutting down. Here is the text, quote, as a listener of ad-supported radio on Apple Music, we want you to know that it's being discontinued starting January 28th. Beats 1 will now be the primary free broadcast, so you'll continue to get all the best music and culture there with world-class DJs like Zane Lowe and specialty programming from artists like Dr. Dre, Drake, Pharrell Williams, and more. Additionally, with an Apple Music membership, you can access dozens of radio stations handcrafted by our team of music experts, commercial-free, with unlimited skips. Or you can create your own stations based on your favorite songs and artists. Start your Apple Music membership now and enjoy unlimited access to everything radio offers, along with the entire Apple Music catalog. Unquote, unquote. Here is some feedback on that post from Karthik, quote, it's so sad how iTunes radio was degraded from iOS 7 onwards and now finally removed in iOS 9.2. I wonder if iTunes match will get the axe next, unquote. From Craig B, quote, Apple doesn't want to be in the ad-supported anything business, unquote. From Myron Euchre, quote, I didn't get the email everybody else mentioned. I'm thinking it is because I'm subscribed to iTunes match and Apple Music, as long as iTunes Radio continues being included with one or both of those, I'm happy to continue paying for them, unquote. And as Myron and a few others speculated, Apple radio stations are going away on January 28th, 29th, um, and they will require an Apple Music subscription thereafter. I've seen it said on one thing it was uh, January 29th and another is January 8th, but in any case, uh, after January 29th, Beats 1 will be the free broadcasting going forward. All other radio station features will require an active Apple Music subscription. So as Myron was asking, yes, he'll still get it. And since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the Google TII, Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboy's free zone and a spammer-free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 2,500 plus of you that are already in the community and contributing. Also from the Google Plus community was this feedback to episode 378 from Mark Page. Quote, in the latest episode 378, the Pay Finders app to locate stores that used Apple Pay was mentioned. This is only available for the U.S., so those in the U.K. may have a problem except that there is a solution and it's free in Apple's Maps app. You can search for the store and then tap on the label 
that appears, which then brings you to a page of information about the store, including whether they offer Apple Pay or not, shown below for Starbucks, unquote. And he sent over a screenshot, and that shows that the Apple Pay icon is next to price for Starbucks when you look at the information. Thanks, Mark, for that feedback. One more article on the financial side. This one is from thefool.com, and I read this, and it, it, this seems to be one of those first good articles to start coming out. It's titled, Fabulous Are No Joke, and Apple Inc. is Laughing Its Way to Record Profits. The article talks about how this holiday season, the one category of smartphones that saw growth, a lot of growth, was the phablet category, those between the 5 and the 6.9-inch sizes, i.e. the iPhone 6 Plus and 6S Plus category. And they said a big reason for that category's growth is the iPhone 6S Plus this holiday season. It'll be interesting to see if Tim Cook gives any breakdown on the plus size iPhone sales versus the S, just the regular 6S size. Not likely, but people will look at ASPs and try to backfill from there. So going to be an interesting call next week. And Okay, let's get away from all this financial stuff. Uh, Computer World had an article on eight interesting HomeKit accessories for CES 2016. One was the OneLink Smart Wi-Fi Safe. The safe has an accelerometer, and if someone tries to move or open it, you get a message on your iPhone. And you can use Siri on your iPhone also to open it. My only question on this is, what if the bad guys just go to your basement first and then kill your main power? I mean, how is it going to get that message out if your Wi-Fi is down? Just saying. They also go over the Lyric Thermostat from Honeywell, Smart Window Shades and Blinds from Lurton. Lurchin Electronics, Symphony Signal Fans from Hunter Fans, and a few other HomeKit accessories, which is great to see more being released. So yeah, if you are a HomeKit fan, it looks like, uh, other than actually being able to get a fan from Hunter Fans, there would be a plenty of other items that you can get as well here in the near future. Apple World had a post on an Apple patent filing that hints at waterproof iPhones in the future. The latest patent they are talking about involves, quote, electronic devices with submersion detection circuitry, unquote. One of the rumors that seems to be getting a lot of steam since the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus were opened up and found to have gaskets around the connectors is that the iPhone 7 would be full-on waterproof. But here is my take. Apple will not say it is waterproof. They might say it's water-resistant, and the device may well be waterproof, just that Apple will not advertise it as such. I think water-resistant is the best marketing phrase we're likely to see from Apple on this. There are five main events that are likely to cause your iPhone to get wet that Apple is likely trying to alleviate that from happening. One, the dreaded urinal drop. Two, the glass of liquid knocked over or spilled on your device. Three, caught in a downpour and your phone and you are soaking wet or it drops in a puddle from said downpour. Four, your iPhone with or without you finds its way into a pool or a hot tub or a bathtub. And five, you lean forward and it slips out of your pocket and into the sink or is knocked into the sink. These are all, in most cases, short-term submersions, um, a few seconds at most, maybe even up to a minute, uh, but most likely, again, just a few seconds. And a water-resistant device would save most of the phones. I don't 
think it would save the left in my pocket and went through the washer scenario or dropped it in the lake and found it two days later scenario. But I would guess, based on emails I've received in the past, that most death or injury to said iPhone by liquid scenarios today are in that first five groups. And if Apple can improve the iPhone 7 to make it where 99% of those cases the device comes out with no injury or long-term issues at all, that would be great. If you've had your iPhone destroyed or damaged by liquid, which of those scenarios I just mentioned was it, or was it something else? Give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And speaking of the iPhone 7 and rumors, there are more rumors that are on the iPhone 7 that come back to the lightning port being just, or, or being now also the audio output port as well. Uh, there's a nice mock-up drawing in the post at macchrome.com where they show the bottom of the iPhone 7 with stereo speakers, one on each side of the lightning port. And again, to really enjoy that stereo sound, simply place the lightning port at the bridge of your nose. Just saying. But I guess it does make sense if you remove the headphone jack to add in both a left and right speaker, if for no other reason than it looks symmetrical, and Apple loves symmetry. They also speculate that the iPhone 7 will have wireless charging. I personally would like to see that, but I'm not yet sold on the wireless charging rumor. But I am starting to lean towards the headphone jack going bye-bye rumor, as recently I saw a petition going around to ask Apple not to remove the headphone jack. And then I also recently got the iRig mic lav, which uses the headphone jack, and I'm really liking it. More on that in a future episode. So. So sure, now that I have a nice lav mic set up that uses, it's actually a dual lav mic setup that uses the headphone jack, I can see the next iPhone making it obsolete. Seems the last time uh, Apple changed their connectors, there was also a petition going around beforehand before it happened as well. So yes, Apple will make these changes if they think long-term good outweighs a short-term PR hit, which they're likely to get if they do get rid of the headphone jack. In the meantime, Apple's Beats division, you know, might want to actually start releasing some lightning port headphones. Dog food should eat Apple its own. In the rumor front, it seems Apple was out registering different domain names lately, such as apple.car and apple.cars and apple.auto. These were purchased in December and are likely not just joke Christmas presents for Tim Cook from marketing. At this point, there is a lot of smoke out there indicating Apple is working on an auto, from people they're hiring to comments from Elon Musk to now these latest domains that Apple just registered. Does this guarantee we will see an Apple car in the future? No. But it does make it seem more and more likely each time there is a report like this or action like this. From a few of you comes this next one, which is a story from The Telegraph in the UK, which to be kind, is not the best when it comes to Apple news or rumors. And blimey, they struck again. This time saying Apple was going to release a switch to Android app. Huh? Well, guess it seems they thought Apple needed or would need to because of EU regulations. Nope. Not going to happen, or so says Apple. They said they are firmly fixed to trying to help people get away from that fragmented nightmare known as Android and are not at all interested in helping people shoot themselves in the foot or the head or elsewhere by giving them an app to help them move away from the light side to Android. 
or, well, some paraphrase that was close to that. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I almost feel sorry for Google. Almost, but not quite. Regards, Steve from Arizona. And Steve is talking about an article in Business Insider titled, quote, only a tiny fraction of Android smartphones are running the latest version of Google's operating system, unquote. How tiny is tiny, you ask? Well, when this article was written, which was the beginning of the month, just 0.5% of Android smartphones are running the latest version three months after it was released. That's how tiny or sad or pathetic that number is. Heck, a higher percent of iOS users were running the beta for iOS 9 before it was officially released. And if you think the issue of almost no one using the latest version is not a pain for developers, think about this. Google's working with over 400 OEM partners and over 4,000 different types of devices. Yeah, when people ask if our podcast app here at Libsyn for producers has been tested for their handset, the answer is probably not. It is really at this point where I would say 99% of different types of handsets are not tested for basically 100% of the Android apps out there. Just saying. Guys, Valentine's Day is coming up soon, and Bowl and Branch is a great, great gift for Valentine's Day. My wife absolutely loved the Bowl and Branch sheets when we received them. She loved the box they came in and the pouches that the sheets were in inside the boxes. And then most importantly, she loved the feel of the sheets. The sheets from Bowl and Branch are made from 100% organic cotton because organic cotton is incredibly soft. And the sheets get softer each time you wash them. You'll get the nicest sheets you've ever owned for about half the price of what stores and boutiques would be charging for sheets of far lower quality. That said, your significant other is going to love this more than a box of chocolates or a teddy bear that looks like it was a reject from a carnival. This is something that is a personal and intimate product that shows you planned ahead. So make sure you go right now to bowlandbranch.com and you'll save 20% off your entire order. And use you need to use the promo code TII. Again, bowlandbranch.com with bowl spelled B-O-L-L, and use promo code T-I-I. These sheets are only sold online at bowlandbranch.com. You can't buy them in any stores. That's how they keep the pricing low and free of markups. And here's the best part. Don't take my word for it. Try them out for yourself for 30 days, risk-free. Bowl and Branch is so sure you're going to fall in love with their sheets that they'll give you 30 nights to try them out, which is a lot of time for you and your significant other to really give them a good tryout. And if you or a significant other don't love them for any reason, they'll take them back and refund you without any hassle at all. Again, go online to bowl, that's B-O-L-L, and branch.com today for 20% off your entire order for sheets. And they also have towels and blankets and duvet covers, plus free shipping. And all their products come beautifully packaged in their signature boxes Go to bowlandbranch.com for 20% off your entire order and use promo code TII. Again, bowlandbranch.com, promo code TII. Guys, don't wait. Valentine's Day is going to be here before you know it. Hey, Rob, this is Andrew. You had someone asking about why the screen lock was shutting off after a minute. It is probably because they have it in low battery mode. It doesn't matter what your settings are. If you turn it to low battery mode, it will always turn off in a minute. Thanks, Rob. Andrew, thanks for that voicemail message. And that reminds me to say, and I didn't mention this last time, you can tell if your phone is in low battery mode by just looking at the battery. If it's yellow, it's in low battery mode. I had this happen with my wife's phone the other day. I was looking at it and it was yellow on that. And I guess her phone had run down 
and then it got switched into battery mode. And then after you charge back up, it stayed into battery mode. So sometimes you don't even have to select it. It seems like if your phone was running down and then it'll switch it into low battery mode for you. And then if you charge it back up, sometimes it looks like, at least for hers it did, it's stuck into low battery mode. I mean, I know she didn't go in and change it. So just look for that. Look to see if your battery's yellow. If it's yellow, you're in low battery mode. Hi, Rob, just chiming in on a link you mentioned in episode 375 about resetting your iPhone's RAM. As strange as this sounds, I absolutely love this trick and I had not heard of about it before. Running voiceover, I noticed that sometimes even the iPhone 6S can be sluggish at times. I'm not sure why, although voiceover does always require RAM since it's running. But the reset trick has helped me every time and puts me right back to a snappy performance. For now, there seems to be no adverse effects. I also want to comment on the headphone jack ditching rumor. I know a lot of people don't have an opinion, but as a blind person, it is a big deal. I use earphones that almost all the time when I'm out or don't want to disturb people with voiceover yammering at just me. So losing this would be a big adjustment. I'd wager even a bigger adjustment than the lightning revolution. The next year will certainly be interesting, uh, and, but hopefully Apple can improve the Bluetooth audio quality and performance if they really want to do this. There is still a significant lag with voiceover when typing on screen with an on, on the on-screen keyboard and using Bluetooth speaker or headphones. So I'd probably be extremely disappointed and angry for the first little while uh, until things improved. Glad I'm on an S cycle now. Regards, Chelsea. Well, thanks, Chelsea, for the feedback. Uh, for those that don't remember the trick that you mentioned there about resetting the RAM, go back to episode 375. It's at the 30 minute and 8 second mark, and you can hear the instructions on that. And then Chelsea, per the headphone, I'm guessing there's going to be some sort of adapter that you will be able to plug in the regular uh, headphone jacks that we have now, uh, the 8th inch jacks into that, some sort of adapter, hopefully. Um, we'll see, but... I, I'm leaning now that the next, I'm leaning toward the belief that the next device, the iPhone 7, will not have the headphone jack. It'll just be the lightning port. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob, a listener of your podcast asked how to delete alarms made with Siri. First, if in using Siri again, ask her to delete the alarm. Second is to swipe from right to left over the alarm, just like in mail, to delete them. Greetings from Germany and keep going. Regards, Stefan. Well, Thanks, Stefan, for mentioning the uh, part about swiping the alarm. Hi, Rob. It's John from New Orleans. I have a question for you in the audience about the Apple Watch. It seems, for some reason, to not be clearing the notifications when I've responded to them on my phone. It's hit and miss with that, and it's really annoying because it looks like I have a notification when, in fact, I don't. So if anybody knows of a fix for this, let me know. Thanks. Bye. John, thanks for the voicemail message. I haven't had this issue with my Apple Watch, but if someone else has had this issue and then was able to fix it, what did you do to fix it? Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, our first Kickstarter project for the year. This one is called Olink, O-L-I-N-K, and it is, quote, a USB-C multiport adapter with incredible portability and fast recharging for Apple Watch, iPhone, iPad, and the newest MacBook, unquote. Pricing, um, this one looks like um, they're going to miss it. <laughs> yeah, um, they had too high a goal on this one, 100K, 
and are not even 10% of the way there with January 25th at 7.55 a.m. Central Time as the cutoff time. Pricing on this uh, was $59, and that is the version without the SD card slot, and then there's one with the SD card slot at $70. If you want more info on this or just to look at a campaign that did not go well and to learn from their mistakes, uh, search for Olink, O-L-I-N-K, at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 379. I had flagged this one a while ago and was hoping it was going to reach the target. It just never took off. So that's why I'm mentioning this one. But I kind of said, I, I like this one. I thought this was a good product and a good price. Um, just, I don't know what they did wrong, but uh, maybe uh, USB-C is just not there yet. Maybe this is something a year from now, uh, if they come back, it'll work. Or if you want to steal from them and come back a year from now, not that I'm recommending that or anything. I'm just hoping somebody will come with a very similar product within the next year or so. Thanks to Talman M for this next one, which is a link to the S-I-K-A-I. So it's S-I-K-A-I, new Apple TV, fourth gen, Siri remote case with non-slip grip that glows in the dark. Well, the blue and the green ones glow in the dark. There's also a black, purple, red, and white that are non-luminous. This is for sale in Amazon for $13.58, which is cheaper than Apple's slightly overpriced strap. Oh, and this case comes with a strap too. So for less money, you get a case and a strap. What a bargain. And just search for the link in the show notes. Um, just look Amazon and it's S-I-K-A-I. And that'll, there'll be the links there, episode 379 over at todayinios.com. We talked earlier about the blue light blocking available with iOS 9.3. Well, this is a feature Mac users have known about from the app f.lux. This is a free download for Mac users at justgetflux.com. They also have a version for Windows and Linux. And yes, there is a jailbreak version for iOS as well. And it looks like they have a version going back that works for iOS 5.1.1, and well, there's even another version for iOS 4.1 jailbreak devices. So if you want to sleep better after using an iOS device, but don't have iOS 9.3 on your device or can't get iOS 9.3 on your device, there is still a solution for you if you're jailbroken. You do have to feel sorry for the devs of this uh, Flux. You know Those guys, they've been at this a while, and Apple just made their app a built-in feature and obsolete. So sorry for those guys. And it's unlikely Apple's ever going to let their app get into the iOS app store either. Link in the show notes uh, for episode 379 for justgetflux.com site. And if you want that app for your Mac and you don't have it yet, you know, go and do that. And if the developers have some place for them to give them money, feel free to do that too. In the well that that did not take long category comes news that one of the jailbreak teams has already jailbroken iOS 9.3 beta 1. Mind you, this is not something they are releasing now and definitely will not release until iOS 9.3 beta Goldmaster is released at the earliest. And then only if Apple has not patched the hole they found. But it is promising that a jailbreak may happen for iOS 9.3 sooner rather than later when it is finally released to the public. Yeah, Rob, I'm uh, calling from uh, London, Canada, uh, with respect to Daniel from Wisbeach, Cambridgeshire, in Jolly Old. I think your recommendation that Dan should, that should have a MRI is a good one. I think, however, that uh, Daniel's putting you on a little bit, because I don't think he's going to switch over to a Sammy. 
And another thing, I think Daniel, being this time of year, when he made that call, could have been into the nog a little too much. That's my comment. Bye. Thanks for that feedback. Uh, into the email bag we go. Hey, Rob, I just wanted to point out that Sprint takes uh, talks a lot about lowering prices, and it was a great deal when we signed up. However, what they don't tell you is that after you've been with them a year, they'll raise your rates if you don't lower your data usage on your plan. Regards, Shauna. Ouch. Hey, Rob, quick question about the default mail app. I use Outlook as my mail app on my iPhone. I love it, but one of my issues with iOS is that you can't default it. For instance, if I click on contact us link on a website, it tries to open the default mail app anyway uh, to change this regards AJ. AJ, I'm not sure of any way to default the non-native mail app to something else like Outlook. But if someone out there knows of a way to do this, maybe it has to do with not setting anything up for the email or um, with the Maps app or the mail app, excuse me. But if anyone knows of a way where you can make Outlook as a default mail app on your iOS device, please give us a call or shoot us an email and let us know the procedure to make that work. All right, I just want to respond to Daniel's voicemail on episode 377. Yes, Siri does use Bing as a default search engine, but you can actually make it use Google instead. If you wanted to search BBC, you would simply say Google BBC and it brings up the search results in Safari, even if you don't have Google selected as a search engine for Safari in settings. It will bring up the results in Google. In terms of why stick with Apple and not move over to the dark side, for me, the main reason is the exceptional face-to-face -face customer service support you get at the Genius Bar. I was there for 45 minutes the other day, and not once did I feel like the representative wasn't 100% committed to helping me out. Also with Apple, you can use a combination of your credit card and store credit to make purchases with Google. You can't do this. I am sure there are many other reasons that could be listed, but those are the two big ones for me. Regards, Steve and Brisbane. Hey, Rob. This is Tom in New Jersey in response to episode 377 and uh, Daniel's request for feedback on the Android experience. I am an original iPhone user and have had every S-series iPhone except for the 5. That's because two years ago I decided to see what the dark side was like, and instead of buying a 5S when my two-year contract was up, bought an LG G2. As with Daniel, I was more interested in specs than the experience. I would say for the first six months, I enjoyed the new feeling of the G2. I kept an open mind and relearned how to do things the Google way. There was certainly more integration into the Google ecosystem, which I do use extensively. However, after about six months, I started looking for ways to improve the user experience. I think this was my unconscious mind trying to get back to the way it wanted to do things. I rooted the phone and installed the latest version of Android because my carrier didn't bother to update me. That worked well at first, but slowly started, started me down a road of crashes and reboots, which I eventually became numb to. It was just part of doing business. Start the car, connect the Bluetooth, Hit play, crash, reboot. Wait until I get to the second stop sign for the phone to recover. Press play again. We were on vacation about six months ago when the phone tried to take a cyanogen mod over-the-air update and then entered a boot loop. I lost a particular photo of the family that we will never get back, 
and the phone was useless for the rest of the vacation until I could get home to spend six hours with it to recover. This involved command line work, strange files downloaded from dark corners of the Internet, sinking feelings as I read cryptic error messages. Bad. As soon as my two years were up, I went to the Apple Store and bought a 6S. I can't describe the feeling of satisfaction and calm that came over me. I wasn't worried about cost or color, just wanted a phone that worked. I don't remember the last time I rebooted it now, and everything just works in concert. Touch ID is brilliant, because I didn't have that on my any previous iPhone, and Apple Pay is a great feature. So, Daniel, my recommendation is to stay with iPhone. You may not ever know the Android experience, but trust me, you don't want it. The thing that sells those phones is specs, not usability. I found much of my life trying to figure out was spent trying to figure out the phone instead of using the phone. Also, don't brush aside my experience and say that it was because I used an LG or a Sammy or a whoever it may be. There was nothing wrong with the hardware. I flashed it back to stock now, and it works fine as a child's entertainment device. It was all software-related, primarily based upon me wanting a new, updated, more secure version of Android. Don't expect them to ever update your phone. It's like an appliance to your carrier. Quote, when was the last time you updated your software on your microwave? Does it still heat your mac and cheese? Unquote. That was an actual comment from an unnamed carrier. In closing, when looking at a decision to purchase the SAMI S7, my friend Han said it best. I've got a bad feeling about this. Thanks for the show, Rob. Tom, thanks for your feedback and personal experiences. Greatly appreciate it. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I have a new thing you can ask Siri. Say, can you do my homework? Regards, Aaron. Okay, Aaron, will do. Siri, can you do Aaron's homework? Who, me? Well, that didn't work very well. Let's see if she'll do my homework. Can you do my homework? Just make an effort. I hear they give out A's for that. Can you do my homework? Is it about the Battle of Waterloo? Because if so, I'd rather not. Can you do my homework? In the words of Aristotle, the roots of education are bitter, but the fruit is sweet. Can you do my homework? My three R's are ruminating, randomizing, and recursion. Can you do my homework? Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. And I definitely don't know what a slide rule is for. Can you do my homework? The answer is the square root of 1,764. Thanks again to Bowl and Branch for sponsoring this episode. Folks, go right now to bowlandbranch.com with Bowl spelled B-O-L-L and use promo code TII to save 20% off the nicest sheets and cotton products you've ever owned with free shipping to boot. And remember, Valentine's Day just around the corner. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email to me at today and ios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And right now, I really need more artwork and more music. Also, don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. 
Thanks again to Harry's for sponsoring this episode. And please go to harrys.com now and save $5 off when you enter the code TII with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter the coupon code TII at checkout to save $5. Start shaving better today. Or, well, as soon as your new shave kit arrives, right to your doorstep. And don't forget about the TII app, which is free to you. Just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It's the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It's fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TII app. And did I mention it is free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Well, except for all the voicemail messages after the music. Until the next time, I am your host, Rob, reminding you to own different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Hey, Rob, this is Justin from Pennsylvania. I'm calling in response to our new possible defector, uh, Daniel. Um, I guess I just wanted to say to you, uh, Daniel, is that your main reason for wanting to switch is because you want Google services. But the way I see it, the best Google phone that exists is the iPhone because 
you get all the same apps, all the same services that Google offers because they want this ecosystem of Apple because, you know, it's where the money is. So, you know, I have Google Maps. I have that. I have the OK Google feature on my phone. I have Gmail app. I have, I have all the Google things you could possibly think of that you want, that you get with a Google phone on my iPhone. But I get to decide what Google gets to see. I get to have ad blockers that make my make things go faster on my searching. I have all of I have control of my data. When you go to Google, you give up your control of your data. Now I I don't mind offering my data for the services that Google gives me, and I do that. I mean I use it all the time. I'm probably as big of a Google user as any Android user, if not even more, because I feel I see the value in a lot of their services. And I, and as far as using Siri, Siri doesn't understand you anyway. So what difference does it make if it's using Bing or Google? So just just use okay, use the okay Google on the Google app you already have on your phone. And not only that, like next year, whenever you get your Samsung phone now, you're going to be disappointed when you see the all the cool things the iPhone has three months later. And then you're going to want to. I mean, I know in the in the UK you got to buy your phones outright. So. I mean, the way I see it, Daniel, is that the best Google phone out there is your iPhone. I mean, that is, I, I don't know how to say it. I mean, unless you dislike Apple, which obviously you don't. I mean, that's the only reason why I find most people are on Android. Either they don't care about their phone, A, or B, they hate Apple and don't want to be a part of the ecosystem. So, and that's obviously not you. So there's no reason for you to defect at this point. The Apple's phones have never been better. I mean, they're so cool. I mean, like, 3D Touch, like, all this stuff is super cool. Like, I can't wait to get the next iPhone for all whatever new will be on it. And I'm just saying, like, there's no reason to switch, man. Stay with us, man. Just don't go anywhere. Because, you know, I don't want to hear from you next year being like, I made a mistake. I won't come back. Just, just you know, wait it out. See, at least see what the new iPhone is before you go ahead and... And and don't get a Samsung. Find something else. Samsung is they all they do is rip off Apple. So just pick a different at least pick a different brand if you're gonna defect. Anyway, all right, Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I was a little rough, a little tough love, but stay with us, man. There's no reason to go over to Google. The the, the iPhone is an awesome phone, and there's no reason to switch. So, all right, Daniel. I hope you're staying with us. I'd hate to miss your your voicemails in the future and. Have a nice day. Hey, Rob, this is Justin from Pennsylvania. I was calling, I wanted to add a little something on to my Keep Save Daniel from Google um, uh, campaign. Um, if you can get Siri to figure out like what dialect it is that makes her understand you better, if you, if you want to use Google um, with Siri, all you have to do is tell Siri to Google whatever you're looking for such as Google cute cat photos, and it'll use Google to do that. So just so you know, you can tell Siri what search to use by telling her to Google it. So just letting you know that. That way you don't have to use Bing. I mean, now if you do that, you're going to get a web search guarantee. It's not going to go, it's not going to be that, you know, nice where Siri gives you the answer. It's going to be from the web, but you can still voice search Google with Siri. So just say no. All right. Thanks a lot. Stay with us, Daniel. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Hello, Rob. This is not Daniel from Wisbeach of Cambridgeshire. This is Keith 
from New Orleans and St. Louis. Wanted to comment on Daniel's debate in regard to Samsung and the phones coming out. The first issue I would say is that I don't believe Samsung has a six-month advanced window on Apple as far as the next iteration of the iPhone coming out. I would say that Apple always has a at least six months on Samsung, being how Samsung is always copying everything that Apple does. In fact, Samsung has a pretty great reputation in in a lot of industries as far as copying other um, manufacturers and other developers' items. And um, then they back that up. They copy their patents well. And they backed that up by a fantastic legal staff. It's pretty well known um, of those who know a lot about Samsung that they copy a lot of different items, and then they go out and fight them in court, uh, the different uh, patent infringements, to a point and drag it out to a point where by the time uh, anything's finally settled, that that technology is pretty much evolved in its past. So uh, they just are constantly playing a form of leapfrog and faith in my eyes. So, um, and then to address his uh, issues as far as his debate goes, um, the number one issue he actually mentioned was security. Uh, you might as well, if you're going to have an Android device, publish everything, all your data that's on your phone, any and all, on Facebook and in the local newspaper and not on the Internet because uh, that's about the confidence that I have in it as well as um, uh, just knowing that, uh, that the apps that you download could potentially be, you don't even know if they're legitimate, and if they are, uh, what's going to happen with that data? So that would be my number one, two, three, and four issue with owning an Android device, which is why I have an Apple device. Um, wanted to comment on I, too, received a form of paper communication from the Death Star, I mean, uh, from AT&T regarding increasing my data plan package, my legacy unlimited data, $5 a month. Um, they have it was interesting. I was in a store talking to, went into upgrade in St. Louis, my iPhone, because my two-year contract was due, and mentioned the $5 increase in data and moaned about it a little bit. And the individual told me that I should feel lucky that I'm on AT&T because Verizon in, uh, supposedly increased theirs like 25 or $30 a month. So I don't know if that's true, and would like to hear some comments maybe from some of your readers who may have a Verizon Unlimited legacy data plan. Um, I was also told that I could not renew, uh, get a new phone on a two-year contract so that the phone is subsidized, which makes my legacy data plan a pretty good value. He told me that it was because I was in the St. Louis market. He said there are three markets, St. Louis and two others, 
that they are piloting this continuing that figure you know, um, contract when you're on that plan, or maybe it was to your contract period. Um, but he looked at my driver's license when he checked me in and noticed that I had a Louisiana driver's license, and he said, but you, you could potentially go online and go ahead and enroll and get your two-year data plan, uh, I mean, your two-year contract, and keep your data plan, and everything should be fine, which I did, and I'm driving to Louisiana right now for Christmas, and my iPhone's already waiting for me there. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. So we may, this may be the last two-year cycle that I see an unlimited data plan, but I'm kind of happy to see how much of the 22 gig I can spend. Um, so anyway, uh, love your show. I think you do a fantastic job. Uh, hope you, uh, you and your family were showered with blessings on the holiday season. Talk to you soon, Rob.